0: In your copy of God's Word, the Bible to Ephesians chapter 3, Ephesians chapter 3, we are in the middle, and when I say in the middle, we are almost smack dab in the middle of a sermon series entitled, Who Do You Think You Are? And and that's a a great question. Who are we? And and the, the purpose of that thought is, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? Because... Who you believe you are determines how you live your life. And as Christians, the Word of God has much to say about who we are. It also has much to say about who we used to be. We we were born into this world dead in our trespasses and sins, meaning we were sinners in need of a Savior. And God loved the world so much, God loved the people of the world so much, that, that he had the one and only remedy for sin. And the one and only remedy for sin is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And for us to have the forgiveness of sins, which brings about many, many, many benefits, one of them being eternal life. How many excited about eternal life today? Say amen. Amen. That, that's kind of like the cream of the crop right there, the eternal life. But the forgiveness of sins... We went from sinners to saints. We have the ability to petition God through prayer, and that's what we're going to look at again today, is looking at a a prayer that Paul is praying here in chapter 3 for the Ephesian believers, and not only is he praying for the Ephesian believers, but he's praying for us too. He was praying for the church, the universal church, the church of all times. So, who do you think you are? And, And the purpose of this study is discovering who we are Discovering our new, true identity in the Lord Jesus Christ. Today we'll be looking at verses 17 through 21, God's purpose of prayer. Today we'll finish up what we started last week, uh, talking about God's purpose of prayer. Now last week, chapter 3, verses 14, we began in verse 14, and, and, and learned that this is actually a prayer that Paul is praying on behalf of this church we noted that roughly half of the entire book of Ephesians, all six chapters, uh, roughly half of, or all five chapters, all five chapters of Ephesians, uh, roughly half of that is actually prayers being prayed, prayer requests being given, and praise reports from those prayers being answered. How many of y'all have ever prayed and had a prayer answered? If you've ever prayed a prayer, you've had a prayer answered. Can I get an amen? Why? Because God always answers prayers. God answers every single prayer we pray. And one of the points that we learned last week is this. Here's what Paul's trying to get across to us. There is no such thing, no such thing as a New Testament Christian church without Christians praying. Okay? There there is no such thing as a New Testament Christian church without Christians gathering to pray. Not only gathering to pray, but praying as individuals, praying as couples, praying as families, and praying as a congregation. Prayer, I said this last week, prayer, say prayer. Prayer, more than anything else, is what sustains the progress, the success, the growth, and the health of the church. You, you, you find a church that doesn't pray, and I'll show you a lousy church. I don't know no better way to put it. A church that's not praying is a lousy church. And I guess we could probably own that, couldn't we? Wouldn't you say a Christian, you said, Brother Steve, you're being brutal this morning. I know, it's just a mood, I'll get over it. Uh, a Christian who doesn't pray would be a lousy Christian. Can I get a witness there? You say, Brother Steve, why would you say something like that? Because it's through the Word of God and through the power of prayer that we know what a Christian is and how a Christian is supposed to live and what God, who God is and what God has done for us and what God has done in Christ and through Christ and what God has done in us and what God continues to do through us. Prayer, more than anything else, is what sustains the progress of the church's health and growth. What we're doing, we're, we're taking this acronym of prayer, P-R-A-Y-E-R. Boy, I about didn't get through that. Let me try it again. P-R-A-Y-E-R. If someone had told me in junior high and high school that I was going to preach At age 27, I would have paid more attention in English class. I'll just be honest with you. I would have paid more attention in English and literature. I would have thought that was important. But since I knew my ABCs and could read run, dot, run and see tag run, I figured I had it licked. But anyway, I'm suffering now because of that. But God's getting me through it. My grandfather, Kalmadge Looper, had a fourth grade education. But he could read the Bible. I think God had something to do with it. Don't you? Oliver England. Anybody here remember Oliver England, the old evangelist preacher? Oliver England said he went to Bush College. He couldn't read a lick when God saved him. Him and the Lord got off alone in the bushes and God taught him how to read the Word of God. So there's lots of ways for God to educate us when we don't know how to educate ourselves. So today, let's pick up where we left off. Uh, We left off with P-R-A. This morning, we're going to start with the letter Y. But before we get to Y... Let's just remind ourselves, last week we saw how that P, the first letter of prayer, is teaching us that prayer is personal. Paul said, I bow on my knees before the Father. So prayer is personal. We we oftentimes ask other people to pray for prayer needs we have. But Don Pearson taught me this a long time ago. You don't need two people praying. You don't need a half a dozen people praying. You don't need dozens of people praying. When it comes to a matter of prayer, prayer is personal. You can pray. God will listen. God will answer. Nothing wrong with asking for help. Nothing wrong with sharing prayer requests and getting groups of people to pray along with you. But know this. Prayer is personal. Prayer is personal. Then a letter R Prayer is relational. We learned last week through the scriptures that Paul said, I bow on my knees before God the Father from whom all the people are named in heaven and on earth. And we learned that God is a loving, caring, providing, sovereign, providential Father who loves us more than we can ever imagine being loved. God loves us. He's our Father. God being our Father, Jesus being our brother, the source of our adoption into the family of God. We have that relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was what? The only begotten Son of God? Jesus is the Son of God? And now because we've been adopted into Jesus Christ, and now we are brothers and sisters with the Lord Jesus Christ, aren't we? If we are brothers and sisters with Jesus Christ, then we are God's family. God is our Father we are his family. We are his kids. He's the perfect father. He loves us beyond imagination. That makes a difference when you pray, doesn't it? It makes a huge difference when you pray. Not only are being relational, but prayer is about asking. Uh, John MacArthur mentioned James, the half brother of Jesus. I think it's in James also where we read, You have not because you ask not. So prayer is personal, prayer is relational. And prayer is all about asking. Don't be afraid to ask. Some people say, well, Brother Steve, I've just prayed and prayed and prayed and God hasn't answered my prayer. Yes, He has. He said no. And you didn't like it. God always answered every prayer you pray. Sometimes God says no. Sometimes God says not now. Sometimes God says yes right now. And before you even say in Jesus' name amen, the prayer has been answered. So yes, God always answers our prayers. Why? This morning, we'll pick up right here. Why? Prayer is yearning. Prayer is yearning. To see more about this, uh, let's look at Ephesians chapter 3, verses 17 through 19. Verses 17 through 19. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts, Through faith. Faith is a big matter when it comes to prayer. If you don't believe that God is able to bless you with what you're praying for, then don't bother to pray. Prayer is a matter of faith, isn't it? It's belief. It's trusting in God. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, see, that's, that's individualized, that's personal, isn't it? That you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength may have strength to comprehend with all the saints the family of God God's kids that you may be that you may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth the length the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that's an exciting part of this scripture that To know that the love of Christ surpasses knowledge. God loves us so much that we can't imagine how much He loves us. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That's incredible. That is incredible scripture right there. Let's just take it and break it down and look at it this morning. That you being rooted. That you being rooted. How many of y'all have ever planted a garden? Planted a flower? Planted a tree? Planted anything out in nature? Roots are important. Can I get an amen? Roots are important. He said that you may be rooted. Rooted and grounded in what? In love. That you being rooted and grounded in love. So, The root system of the Christian life is the love of God. Folks, if you don't get this, you'll have a lousy Christian life. God loves you. God loves you. The entirety of the Christian faith is based upon the foundation that God is love. And God loves humanity. And God loves you. God loves you. And what Paul is saying is we have to be rooted. We have to be grounded. Our foundation has to be solid and safe and secure. And the foundation that the Christian faith is built upon and the foundation that prayer is built upon is knowing who you are. Knowing whose you are. Knowing that you're a child of God. Knowing that you're a saint of God. Knowing that God loves you. And when you know and understand how much God truly loves you, guess what will happen? More than you've got time to listen to today. That's what will happen. More than you can imagine will happen. But here he says that you may have strength. Now people look for spiritual strength in a lot of different places. But when you know who you are in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you know that you're part of the family of God, and when you know that God is a good, good father, and when you know that God loves you and how deeply he loves you, Paul says, you will have strength. God's love is what strengthens us. Now, which day of the week does God not love you? Exactly. Exactly. What hour of the day does God not love you? What minute of the hour does God not love you? What second of the hour or the minute or the day or the week or the year or the decade or the lifetime, what millisecond of time does God not love His children? See, when we're rooted and we're grounded, that when then we're strengthened. And when we're rooted and we're grounded and we're strengthened in the love of God. He says to comprehend, to know, to understand with all the saints. Now, I've got a chaplain friend who lives over in East Tennessee. He's up in his 70s now. He's been pastoring for years and years and years and years. Uh, he began his chaplaincy at Signature Healthcare of Pittsburgh. And his, his, his name is Ronnie. We call him the Pope of Pittsburgh. The Pope of Pittsburgh, he's got a lot of clever sayings. He's just just a mess. And he'll say, you know, God's got a lot of children, and God loves all his children, but I'm his favorite. But I'm his favorite. You know, a lot of people feel that way, don't they? I would love to be God's favorite child, but I'm not. And you would probably love to be one of God's favorite children, but you're not. And Brother Ronnie, if you're watching, I'm sorry. We love you, and God loves you, but you're not His favorite child. God loves us all, and God loves us all the same. We are all His favorite children. Can I get an amen right there? And when we know that and understand that, we have strength, and we're rooted, and we're grounded, and we comprehend with all of the saints. Folks, listen. This is our identity in Jesus Christ. We are righteous. You say, well, Brother Steve, you, you, you wasn't with me all this past week. I, I don't know if I'm righteous or not. Are you a believer? Are you a Christian? Are you saved? Then you're righteous. Well, Brother Steve, I don't always act righteous. I don't either. But Jesus does, and because we are in Christ... We are righteous. We are righteous. We are God's righteous children. Not only are we righteous, we're righteous because God has forgiven us. And God has forgiven us of all of our sin. I didn't say sins. It's a package deal. I was a sinner and I sinned and God forgave me of my sin as a whole. And when God forgave me of my sin, He cast my sin as far as the east is from the west. He has cast it so far away that He doesn't even realize it anymore. It's not even in His thought process anymore. I am as righteous and holy and pure as His Son, Jesus Christ. Why? Because I'm in Jesus Christ. I am forgiven. I am righteous. We are saints of God. Now that changes how you pray. And that changes your expectations of your prayers when you know who He is and when you know who you are. Can I get an amen? Now then, He says, what is the breadth and the length? These are measurements. The the breadth, the length, the height, the depth. And to know The love of Christ, get this, that surpasses knowledge. I'm trying to convince you how much God loves you. And what's going to happen is your mind is going to fill up with the knowledge of how much God loves you. And that doesn't even scratch the surface of how much God loves you. It's beyond our understanding. It's beyond our comprehension that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So, my question to you this morning is, what are you full of? Kevin, you can't answer What are you full of? God's love. God's love. We are full of God's love as God's children, aren't we? But we're full of a lot of other things too, aren't we? We're full of the world, aren't we? And why are we? There's only one real answer. Because we want to be. Because we want to be. I love buffets. Don't you love buffets? You know the good thing about buffets? Most of the time, you can find at least one good thing on that buffet to eat, right? If you're picky. But if you're like me, everything on that buffet is good, right? I mean, it takes several trips to the buffet to to fill yourself with everything you love and see on that buffet. If you're anything like me, my eyes are always bigger than my belly and I got a big belly. What are we full of? See, the world is a buffet, isn't it? And basically, we have this ability to to look at this buffet called the world and basically reach and get anything we want and try it and own it and experience it and play with it and everything else imaginable. Am I right or am I right? Paul is saying the most important thing to be full of is to be full of the love of God And love for God. What's the number one commandment in all of Scripture? Love the Lord your God with... How much? So if I give you all my money, how much money do I have left? So if I give God all my love, how much love do I have? Plenty. Plenty. Because God's love is reciprocating. I love God, and God fills me full of love. And I love God, and God fills me full of love. And I love God, and God fills me full of love. See, when I love God with all my heart, and all my soul, and all my mind, and all my strength, God fills me with more love to love others and to love Him. It doesn't work that way any other way, any other place with any other person or any other thing if I give myself away to someone other than God fully there's nothing left but when I give myself fully to God I've got more than I started with because that's God because that's God that you may be filled with all the fullness of God what's Paul talking about here Paul is talking about the love of God for his people. Here's what God is saying. Here's what Paul is saying. Paul is saying, yes, read Scripture. Read the Scripture. And when you've read all the Scripture multiple times, go ahead and read some of the credible commentaries. Go ahead and and read after some of the spiritual giants who you know and love and trust. That's all good. Study, 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 study. But here's what Paul is saying. He's talking about this knowledge. We're talking about prayer is yearning. Some some Christians spend all of their time and all of their energy gaining knowledge and gaining knowledge and gaining knowledge. And at the end of the day, all they have is knowledge. Paul says that the love of God in us experience the Fullness of the love of God that goes beyond knowledge creates a yearning in us. Creates a yearning in us. God wants us to fully, say fully. God wants us to fully know his love. God wants us to fully experience his love. And God wants us to fully enjoy and express His love to others in the form of joy. There's a lot of Christians that walk around with not so desirable actions and attitudes. I grew up with a persimmon tree in my yard. Matter of fact, we had two persimmon trees in our yard. Y'all familiar with persimmons? Do You like green persimmons or orange persimmons? I don't like either. But that's neither here nor there. But if I had to take my pick of one of the two, I would definitely go with the orange ones, right? Have you ever been into a green persimmon? Does that alter your face? Does it alter your attitude? It does, doesn't it? There's a lot of Christians walking around And you'd think they're carrying around a sack of persimmons. In about every 10 or 15 minutes, they'll dig in the bag and take a big bite of one. Now, that's not a good billboard for Christianity. Can I get an amen? And what Paul is saying is, God's our Father. We're His family. We're His children. He's wonderful. He's good. He loves us. He loves us beyond knowledge. But beyond knowledge, begin to experience knowing how Loved, you are. This past week, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer played on TV. Did anybody watch it? For the past fifty years, there's been this cartoon called Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Has anybody ever watched it? There we go. All right. So, so Rudolph, he's got this odd nose. He's different. He, he's peculiar. Ah, uh, he's peculiar. Who else is supposed to be peculiar? Huh? God's people. Scripture says that we're peculiar people. We stand out. There's something about us. And much like Rudolph's parents, we we want to disguise that because we want to fit in with everybody else. So, so, what they do, they scraped up some mud and, and they formed this little cap to put over Rudolph's peculiar nose because they don't want Rudolph to stand out. They want him to blend in with everybody else. Shame on us Christians for not wanting to stand out. Shame on us for wanting to blend in. Well, what happens? Rudolph goes training with the rest of the reindeer one day, doesn't he? And as he's there, he meets this cute little female deer. Right? And she begins to tell him how fond she is of him. Right? Am I right? Y'all following along? And when he realizes that she loves him and she's attracted to him, she says, you're cute. And when she says, you're cute, what does Rudolph do? He leaves the planet, doesn't he? I mean, nothing else can get him off the ground, but when this girl expresses love toward him, he just flies up in the air and soars around. She says, I'm cute. She flies around and he lands. Folks, there's a lot of of Bible in that right there. There's a lot of gospel in that right there. Because when we comprehend, like Rudolph comprehended the little cute girl, fell in love with him, when we know how in love God is with us, it causes us to soar. It, really, it should. Y'all ain't soaring. You, 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 you act sore, but you're not soaring. Can I get a witness? God wants us to act. And when I say act, I'm not talking about acting like a theater actor. Or a movie actor. I'm talking about God wants us to live out who we are. God wants us to get excited knowing that we used to be dead in our trespasses and sins. God wants us to get excited to know that he loves us enough to send his one and only son to come and die for us. And shed his blood on Calvary. And not only did he die, he didn't stay dead. He was resurrected on the third day. And he wants us to act out upon these facts in such a way that knowing him and knowing how much he loves us creates a yearning in us that supersedes every other yearning that we can possibly have. Can I get an amen? How How can we do that in just an everyday way? Well, right here, when we gather together, here's what I've noticed, and just pull the excuses out of it. Not everybody here sings when we sing. Brother Steve, I have a legitimate excuse for that. No, you don't. Brother Steve, I don't sing well. Neither do I. Brother Steve, I sing out of tune. So do I. So do 90% of the people on planet Earth. We're not here performing for one another. We're not here performing, period. We're here to worship God. Now you, you can throw any excuse you want to with me. And I've got an inexhaustible source of bullets for every excuse you've got. I can shoot them all down. The Bible says make a joyful noise unto the Lord. And, and and the main way for us to make a joyful noise to the Lord is to sing. And to sing loud. And to sing proud of who we are and sing to the Lord. So when we gather like this, when we gather like this, please sing. You know what singing does? Singing stirs your heart. And singing causes you to worship God, helps you worship God in spirit and in truth. And it'll pull you out of your troubles for a time. It'll carry you into the throne room and in God's presence, there is no trouble. There is no difficulty. It's the most wonderful escape you've ever experienced in all your life. Some of y'all need to try it. You need to start singing. You not only need to sing, you need to raise your voice. And as you're raising your voice, now, 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 I know we're, 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 we're approaching the Pentecostal line here, but as we're raising our voice, try raising your hands every once in a while. God is worthy of our praise. God is worthy of our praise. God is worthy of our praise. Good grief. Marvin? Marvin? Will you please, will you please collect all the persimmons? I, I, they're everywhere. They're everywhere. Come on now, church. No no wonder I'm having to bear it down right here. God loves you. Jesus died for you. He was raised on the third day for you. He's seated in the heaven's intercepting this morning for you. He's mediating for you this morning. God has an open door policy. You, a child of God, who was born into this world, dead in your trespasses and sins, you have full access to the throne room of God today. You can talk to Him anytime you need to about anything you need to, and He's going to listen and have a conversation with you, and there's no reason for you to be down and out. God loves you. God wants you to know But God wants you to experience His love. And God uses our worship to encourage those people around us. And as we let go and let God and worship God, we'll be an encouragement to those around us. This doesn't mean that our experiences are contrary to the truth. They're not contrary to Scripture. When you worship God in spirit and in truth, what that is, is it's the truth of God exploding in our hearts and making its way to the outside of our bodies. And we can't contain that. And we shouldn't contain that. God didn't wire us that way. God didn't make us that way. And as the Scripture explodes in our hearts, when that explosion happens, there's a word for that. You know what it's called? Joy. Joy. Some of y'all folks need some joy. Y'all need joy for Christmas, don't you? You need joy every day. How do you get joy? You commune with God. You stay in His presence. As John MacArthur said, you pray without ceasing. Stop just praying in the bad times. Stop just praying in the dark times. Stop just praying. Praying when you find yourself in need that nobody else can meet the need. Pray and praise God in the good times and the bad times and all of the times. Because when you pray, I promise you, God's truth is going to explode in your heart, and you're going to overflow with joy, and you can't hide joy. Too often, we quench we, we quench we. Resist. The Bible calls it grieving the Holy Spirit. In other words, we hurt his feelings. The Holy Spirit, where two or three people are gathered together in Jesus' name, he's in our midst in the person of the Holy Spirit. Now, let's just say, for instance, as it has happened several times, Kevin and Laura have us over to their house and, Gum, what a good cook. Well, let's say Kevin and Laura have Michelle and I over to their house and he's, he's prepared a big meal and, and we get there and we just don't even acknowledge their home. We don't have conversation with them. We don't participate in the visit whatsoever. We sit around an hour or two. And we get up and go home. What's the word for that? That's rude. When the church comes together, who's the most important person here? Holy Spirit. So we, we come here and we invite the Holy Spirit and He shows up and we don't even acknowledge He's here. We don't respond to him. We don't converse with him. We don't go through the motions. We done church again, didn't we? Woo! Done church. Monday, come on. Done Sunday, Monday. Wow. Paul says, When you really love God. And what causes you to love God? When you know how much He really loves you. And when it goes beyond knowledge to experience, it creates a yearning. You just can't help it. I have been in love with Michelle Looper for 30... long time. 35 years. First time I saw her, something exploded. To this day, she walked out of her closet yesterday, coming over here to the tea. Had that long dress on, had them high heels on, had that hat on. She come out and I went, and something went. Thirty-five years later. Why? You know, one of the main reasons I love her is because I know how much she loves me. We have a relationship. And after 35 years, the fire's still burning, baby. But guess what? I've been loving Jesus for 45 years. And you know why I started loving Jesus the way I love Jesus? Because He first Loved me. You know what keeps me loving him? Because he keeps loving me. And I've got a lot of knowledge. That, that's not a boast or brag. I'm just saying. You, you preach this book for 28 years. You, you know the book. I'm not saying I'm an expert. I'm not a theologian. But I, I know a lot about this book. But you know what I know beyond this book? I know the God that wrote this book. And I have a personal relationship with him. And every time he passes my way, something goes, and it creates joy. And I love joy, don't you? There's a yearning, there's a yearning. But but preacher, what what if I start doing what you're talking about? Well, I'm talking about what Paul is talking about, and it's scripture, so it's just not my opinion. Well, preacher, what if I start doing that, and and I kind of lose control? please do, please do, please do. What if I get excited and start praying all the time? Please do, please do. What if I become one of them people you see out in traffic? They They got their Jesus jam going and they're singing out loud. You pull up at a stop sign at a red light and they're singing and crying and snotting and raising their hands in the car. What if I start acting like that? Please do. Please do. Not only for the benefit of others, but for your benefit. Please do. Jesus loves you. When you hear that, when you hear that, what happens? Or have you heard it so much that it really doesn't make much of an effect on you when you hear it anymore? See, we need to quit loving food. And we need to quit loving dogs and cats. And we need to quit loving good weather. And we need to quit loving... Everything we need to start liking a lot of things, and we start, we need to just start loving God. See, when you love everything, what does it the next time somebody says, I love you, you're like, so I, lo- I love pickles too. You, know, you see what I'm saying? When somebody says, Jesus loves you, you ought to go into a spell of some sort, knowing how unworthy you are that. God chose to love you. That it, it ought to excite you. It'd be like winning the lottery. You ought to just start jumping up and down and shouting. Every time somebody says, Jesus loves you. Do you doubt that he loves you because you go through difficult days? Do you disbelieve he loves you because you sin from time to time? Do you disregard the fact that Jesus loves you because you hear it so often? Do you dismiss the fact that Jesus loves you because you're too busy living life in this world? Why not just believe it and receive it and live it? In the early Christian church, it was common for them to take a symbol of the cross and they would write the breadth and the length and the height and the depth. Because this is the example of the love of God. And they wanted a constant reminder of how much God loves them. What do we need to do outside of the month of December and outside of the month of March or April when Christmas and Easter lands? I heard an area area pastor this past week on the radio doing a commercial. And the biggest push this pastor made was, in the month of December, every sermon we preach is going to be about Jesus. Now, this ain't a boaster or a brag, but you give me an amen if what I'm about to say is true. Every sermon we preach at Hope in Christ, 52 weeks out of the year, we preach about Jesus. Is that that true? just part of the problem. Well, it's Christmas or Easter, so we're going to talk about Jesus. Wow. Wow. The Bible connects the cross of Jesus to the superseding of the mind, knowledge of how much God loves us. Not only is prayer yearning, but prayer is expecting. Prayer is expecting, it's anticipating, it's knowing that God is going to hear me when I pray. And God is going to hear me every single time I pray. Church, do you know that? Or is that just information I've given you? Do you know as a child of God, God hears every prayer? Not, not just the ones you feel like He's hearing, but He, you know, I, I've said this before in ignorance. Just, just doesn't feel like my prayers is going above the ceiling. Doesn't matter how you feel, it matters what God has said. God hears Every prayer that you pray, and not only does God hear every prayer that you pray, God answers every prayer that you pray. And every time you pray, you need to pray expecting God to move because you have prayed. Now know this. His will will always be done regardless of your will or my will. Verse 20, now to him, the Father, y'all better buckle up your seatbelts for this one. Now to him who is able to do, what's those next two words? Far more. Now God is able to do everything we ask, but that's not ours. He is able to do far more abundantly. Now, it just, just keeps building, don't it? And my country, it just keeps getting gooder, don't it? Far more abundantly. Not only that we ask, but you're just like me as a human being. Sometimes you're afraid to ask God for something because you're afraid He might answer you, so you just think about it. And He covers that. Now to Him, God the Father, the loving Heavenly Father who loves His kids more than our minds can comprehend, to Him who is able to do far more abundantly than we ask or even think. According. Now listen. Don't miss this. According to the power at work. Where? Where? Where, not just the power in heaven, but the power that's within us. Woo! Yeah. Yeah. He is able to do far more abundantly than we ask or think according to the power that's in me. How dare you have a bad day? How dare I have a bad day? God lives in me. Jesus lives in me. The Holy Spirit lives in me. And all the power to do more than I can pray or ask or think is alive in me. I'm just not connecting with it. Right? If it's there, is it there? How do you know? Exactly. It has nothing to do with feeling. He said so, so it's there. Now to him who is able to do, what was those next two words? Far more. Big words. Big words. Far more abundantly than we ask or think. And I know what some of y'all are thinking. Some of y'all are thinking, well, I've had a good idea before. No, you haven't. No, you haven't. Not in comparison to how God thinks. Not in comparison to how God thinks. According to the power at work within us. So how should we pray? We should pray expecting. We should pray expecting. Listen, whatever you can ask for, God can do far more. Whatever you can think of, God can do far more. Not just more, far more. And not just far more, far more abundantly. That's like to infinity and beyond. What is this? This is a direct invitation from the throne room of heaven. Ask. It's almost like a game. It's like God says, try and outdo. You, ju- you just try and ask me for something I can't do. Can you move mountains? Hmm. Huh? Jesus said, fig tree, die. Jesus and the disciples are in the boat. Jesus says, we're going to the other side. Now when you are Jesus, the Son of God, and you say, get in the boat, we're going to the other side, where are we going? So what do you do? Nap time. Nap time. All the disciples are in the boat and they're whispering one another, Have you checked your weather app? They're forecasting rain. Says it could get bad. So they're watching the phone out. Jesus is in the bottom of the boat taking a nap. And sure enough, it's at this time. You know, a good weatherman will get it right every once in a while. So the storm blows up. They're losing their mind. They've done for God that he can do far more abundantly than anything we think or ask. When Jesus says, we're going the other side, we're going the other side, church. So they freak out. They spaz out. Wake him up! So they go wake him up and he comes up to the top of the boat and he looks around and he's like, Christians. What does he say? Three words. Peace. Be still. What happens? Far more abundantly, more than we could ask or think. He did that. He can still do that. Some people say, Brother, say he didn't do it yesterday in West Tennessee and Southwest Kentucky. He, he didn't say, Peace be still. Could it have been worse? Why wasn't it worse? Because he's the master of the wind. Now those are all wonderful things. But one day Jesus and his disciples had gone doing ministry. And one of Jesus' best friends was sick. His name was Lazarus. And Jesus tarried on purpose. He knew Lazarus was on his last leg. He knew Lazarus. That he was going to die. And he stayed gone on purpose so Lazarus would die. Well, that's a loving, caring, spiritual brother, isn't it? Yeah. When you know the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey used to say. So Jesus shows up four days later. And what does Jesus do? Lazarus, come forth! What happens? Jesus spoke. Lazarus answered. Lazarus walked out of the tomb. Far more abundantly. More than you can ask or think. God can do. Why ain't he doing more? What are you asking for? If the biggest prayer you ever pray during your day is God bless this food... Nothing wrong with asking God to bless your food. But if that's the level of prayer and expectancy you have is God bless my food? That's what you're going to get. So how's prayer going for you? What are you praying for? I just, you know, just the everyday stuff. How's that going for you? Well, all right. So your God is this big, right? That's about the size of the box you keep him in? Why don't we pray to this God? And when we pray, why don't we expect? Now, if you expect wrong, you'll get wrong. But if you expect right, you'll get right. Brother see, how do I expect right? Pray like Jesus prayed. Now, Father, here is what I'm asking for, but not my will, but your will be done. And if you pray expecting God's will to be done, guess what will happen every single time you pray? You, you'll be showing up here saying, can I testify, please? This week I prayed, and I prayed for this, but God done this. Woo! Look what God done. God done His will, and life is good. Did you get what you wanted? Nope. Are you still excited? Yep. Why? Because my Heavenly Father loves me, and He listens to me when I pray, and He answers me, and He gives me exactly what I need every single time I pray. He's a good, good Father. Pray big. Pray big. Where, Where is the power that we're looking for? What did the Scripture say? The power at work. Where? That ain't heartburn you're feeling. Okay, that's not an upset stomach. That's the power of God in you, and I can tell y'all really excited about that. So we're gonna move on. Here's what you need to know. He says to him, who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us. Listen closely. Are you listening? God doesn't just want to do things. For you. You with me? God doesn't just want to do things for you. God wants to do things in you. And eventually He wants to do things through you. Brother Steve, that sounds a little scary. Well, it can be. But the, on the other side of being scary. Me, for instance, okay? So when I'm, 50, when I'm 10, God saves me. Have an uncle that starts teaching me how to play some musical instruments. At age 15, a, a great friend of mine taught me how to play the bass guitar. Started traveling with Coleman Looper all over the eastern side of the United States of America. It was scary. I've never been five minutes out of Clark Range. Now I'm in Florida and Mishka and Ohio and the Carolinas and Alabama and Tennessee and everywhere in between. And, And I'm away from mom and dad and brothers and sisters, away from my home church, but I don't have any time in my life. It was scary at first, but then it got unscary. And all I was doing was just mind my own business playing the bass guitar, but I had a part of a ministry. And people were being encouraged, and people were being saved. And then this bunch over here started traveling with Coleman. They was this cutest little old 12-year-old girl you've ever seen in all your life. And the first time I saw her, she walked up on the bus with curlers in her hair. She's still cute. Got to know them. Later years, Brenda started traveling on her own, and I migrated over there. Now I stopped playing bass, and now I'm having to start playing piano because we need a piano player, and I ain't never done that. So now I'm playing piano. That's frightening because we got appointments next weekend, and I'm going to kick off the song. That was frightening. But then, as time went on, guess what? It became a wonderful pleasure because I learned how to play the piano well enough to do that. And we're traveling all over the country. Lives are being changed. People are being encouraged. People are even getting saved. But Brenda's doing all the talking. I'm just sitting back here minding my own business. And then this good, 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 loving, heavenly father visits me in a church service one night and says, I want you to preach my gospel. That was frightening. I ain't never done that before. And and those of you that are from around here, our preachers act funny when they preach. You ever seen them? And I'm timid and shy. And the last thing I want to do is get up in front of a bunch of people and act like that. But God says preach, so now I've got to preach. And by the way, I love that preaching. Every once in a while, I have to get me a dose of that. That's what I was raised up on. People say, I can't understand them. I, I never miss a syllable. I know what they're going to say before they say it. I love it. God wants to do things for you. But God also wants to do things in you. And God also wants to do things through you. Things that you would never imagine or ask for. You understand what I'm saying? Brother Steve, is God going to make me preach? I don't know. He's not going to make you do anything. He's going to invite you to participate with Him in the callings and the giftedness that He gives you. And know that as we will see here at the conclusion of this message that we've got to get to right now, it's for our good and for God's glory. And here's what you need to know. If you're in Christ, you are forever changed. And if you are in Christ, you will constantly be changing. He's going to constantly invite you to grow. Your thinking will change. Your desires will change. Your appetites will change. And I ain't just talking about eating. And your habits will change. My question is, what is he trying to do in you right now that you're resisting? Yeah, it's uncomfortable. I'm the poster child for uncomfortable. It's frightening. I'm the poster child, for being frightened when God starts doing things in you and through you. But 28 years later, and no credit goes to me whatsoever, and I don't keep logs like some pastors do, but I am telling you this, I don't know, and it's good and it's wonderful, I don't know how many people have been saved, not because of what I've done, but because of what Jesus did on Calvary and because I was just willing to go tell them what God did for them, I don't know how many people have been saved. I could have sat back and said no. Would they have been saved? They would have been saved. By the grace of God, they would have been saved. But I would have missed the opportunity to be a part of that. We've got to cover this last one because I don't want to come back next week and do one. You would for me to do that. You would love to come in and get one point and go home. I understand, but let's finish this up. The last one, prayer is revealing. Prayer is revealing. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 21, this sums it up. To him be the glory. Can I get an amen right there? To him be the glory. See, to him be the glory. He loves us for his glory. He wants us to love him for his glory. He is the best father there is to his glory. We are his kids. To His glory. We get to be a part of His family for His glory. We're a church today for His glory. I'm a Christian today for His glory. I can play music and preach for His glory. It's all for His glory. To Him be glory, not only in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and forever. And Paul in all of hope in Christ said, Amen. 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 To Him be glory in the church. Now quickly, let me just say this. Salvation is not just a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. How many of y'all have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? One of the biggest reasons we can't get people to attend churches is because people say, well, me and Jesus got our own thing going. Me and Jesus, we got this personal. Relationship. Well, it says to Him be the glory in the church. Now you know we've taught this. There is the universal church that we all belong to and you don't have to attend a gathering of saints to be part of that church. So you are in church 24 hours a day, 7 days a week being a child of God. But then God expects you to assemble on a regular basis with other believers because God gets much glory when we come to church and then leave to be the church. Chelsea. Chelsea's my most beautiful daughter. To which Chelsea says, she finally caught up with it after she grew up so big. She said, Daddy, I, I'm your only daughter. I said, you're still my most beautiful daughter, Honey. Chelsea's my only daughter. But Chelsea cannot have a personal personal relationship with her daddy. Why? Because she's part of the Looper family. See, growing up, it wasn't just me and Chelsea in a personal relationship. It wasn't just Father Steve and Chelsea daughter. Chelsea was part of a family. Chelsea had two brothers and a mother, and it was the Loopers. We was a family family. You understand how that works? You're a child of God, but you're not just a child of God. It's not just Father God in Ryan. It's Father God, Ryan, and the other believers on the planet. And God gets much glory when we act like a family, when we behave like a family, and when we gather as a family and we experience the love of the Father as a family, and when we do ministry and outreach as a family to the glory of God in the church and in Jesus Christ. Paul's praying for the church. And he's talking to the church. He's encouraging the church to be the church and to act like the church and minister like the church and be the family God. And he said to him, be glory in the church and in Christ. There's that term again, in Christ. In him, in Christ throughout the a book of Ephesians, throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. And he ends his prayer perfectly, doesn't he? Who do you think you are? I am a saint. Why? For the glory of God. Who do you think you are? I'm a child of God. Why? For the glory of God. God's a good, good father. Why is God a good, good father? For the glory of God we His children. Why are we His children? For the glory of God. This would be a good place to say this. It's not about you. It's not about me. To Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Paul says that the glory of God is most clearly seen in the Son, Jesus Christ. That's why when Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, that's what he was talking about. In the book of Colossians, Paul says the image of the invisible God is the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Did you know glory is always reflected... Glory is always reflected. You've noticed the sunshine on a cloudless day, and the sun is just beaming down. If you're near a body of water, a lake or a pond, what does the sunlight do? It hits the water, and it bounces off the water. It's reflected. You're driving down the road, and the sunlight hits your windshield, and it blinds the driver coming at you, because light is always reflected. God's glory is always reflected. God's glory shines on me and it bounces off me and it shines on you and it bounces off me and it shines back to Him. God's glory is for God's glory. The Bible mentions glory about 275 times. Would you say that's a big deal? It's a mega- theme of Scripture. What does glory mean? Glory means beauty. Glory means holiness. Glory means magnificence, majesty, prominence, preeminence, purity, radiance, splendor, superiority of Almighty God, God's glory. And so when we pray, what's revealed? The glory of God. What's the glory in your life? Good question, isn't it? Who do we live for? What do we live for? Why are we here? What are we doing? What is the point of it all? Y'all heard of St. Augustine, an early church father? Paraphrasing, here's what St. Augustine said. Once the issue of glory is settled, all the issues are settled. Let that sink in. Once the issue of glory is settled, all the issues are settled. When we know that it's not about us and we know that it's all about Him, then all of the issues of life are settled, aren't they? You want to know what's wrong with the world today? The world is addicted to self. That's the problem on the planet today. People are addicted to themselves instead of addicted to Jesus Christ. Let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. Michelle, y'all come on. Would you stand with us this morning as we pray? Father, we come in the name of Jesus and in the power of the Holy Spirit. And we're thankful that you've allowed us to see through the window of Paul's heart as he's praying this prayer to you. And Father, we know that it's good to pray for ourselves. It's also good to pray for our friends. It's good to pray for our family. and It's really important that we pray for our faith family. Father, we thank you today that we can say that you're the best dad ever. You're the best father ever. and We're thankful to be a part of your family. Help us to have hearts that are inclined in prayer toward others. Help us see, as we mentioned last week, that the church is not a business, but it's your family. Holy Spirit, we thank you so much for visiting us and being with us each and every time we gather with our faith family. You're welcome here. We invite you to do far more abundantly than what we can ask or think, not only in us as individuals, not only in us as a collective body, but through us as we leave this building today and go back into the world. Help us to be change. Help people see the change in us. Jesus, thank you for being the mediator in heaven today. Taking our prayers and presenting them to the Father. And sending the answer back through the power of the Holy Spirit. We're thankful that you hear and answer every prayer that we pray today, Father. We pray all this today in the wonderful, mighty name of Jesus Christ. And all God's people.